Thank you for listening to our fab podcast with Daniel Lismore. Our next guest we managed to nab for a podcast shortly before he headed off to COP27 in Egypt. And if you didn't hear the brief description before, our next guest is fast becoming a good friend. He's equally as passionate about trying to make a difference in the world as us lot at Mission. He's the co-founder of Just, Just Water and 501c3. His past work has led him to work with Calvin Harris, Queen Latifah, Lionel Richie, Sony Pictures, Columbia Records, and many, many more amazing people. Please welcome our next guest, Drew Fitzgerald. I was, uh, um, I was, at, I was at an interesting event last night, uh, which you would have done very well at. Mm. Um, um, I was at the first annual uh, awards ceremony for Bloomberg Green's documentary series. Oh, was, interesting! Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. It was, it was great. I was there as a guest to uh, Jill Tidman, who's the uh, executive director of the Redford Center. Right, Redford. right, right. She's wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, it was great. The docs were inspiring. You know, usually you go to these things and it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, stop telling me about the problem. But they were yeah. all uh, <laughs> pretty optimistic. I was, I was, uh, I went in with uh, high expectations of filmmaking, low expectations of optimism, and um, the latter was succeeded. So. Isn't that great when you get a surprise like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're in the space, you got to you got to have to ring 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 the napkin to find the optimism. Yes, yeah. no, that's true. That's true. Um, I was having, I was talking to um, my gang. I mean, you haven't met Juno yet, but I was talking to the rest of them about you, and um, we were just trying to like figure out questions to ask you and um, what you've done beforehand. Uh -oh. And it is so long what you've done. It's it's incredible. It's and there's such a. I'm so curious. I want to know, and this will come a bit later on. But your um, from art school to what you're doing now, it's talking to <laughs> professors at MIT, and it's so yeah. multifaceted. Um, and you interviewed, you interviewed, um, gosh, who was it? Uh, Dr. Dennis G. White, the head oh, of Dennis, yeah. science at MIT. And I watched, I watched that video, Drew, and I was like, oh, okay, now what, what does all of that mean? I don't understand <laughs> what they've said. <laughs> it was so, so um, in-depth <clears throat> and educational, but, I mean, how I'm going to ask this: the, the jump from studying visual and, and and performing arts at Syracuse to that. Did you ever envisage that? <laughs> uh, no, but you know, it's funny. No, rarely has anyone asked me why I named my company Facet, mm -hmm. and and it, it, it's a it's an innocu innocuous name. Um, and you, when you start off as a young kid, you want to name your company something cool. Yeah, and I, I and I um. I, I used to kind of, I came, came to the, the idea that uh, uh, facets, which are, you know, commonly referred to things in hardware and, and, and gemology, you know, their faces on a gem are mm. di different faces and it's the underpinning of the word facetious, which is relatively pejorative, <laughs> um, which is to take an object that is otherwise kind of smooth and understandable and give it more surface area, give it mm. more understanding. And you know, from that, I, I, I <clears throat> realized that setting off into the world that I wanted to do everything and mm. that I felt un, un, unbridled to be restricted. Um, you know, I just, I, everything I picked up, I could do. And anything wow. that I couldn't do, I just was, had an aptitude to be able to look at it and say, all right, I could figure that out. Let me lay all this stuff out on the floor and I can figure it out. Do I want to be a drummer? Do I want to wow. draw? Do I want to play the piano in the way you know anytime my mom gave me lessons in something it really didn't stick but it was only mm -hmm. that I gravitated towards things that you know warmed me or made me happy you know I play the piano quite avidly now but I took one lesson when I was like nine I was like fuck this I was like I don't I'm not I, I don't like the structure I don't yes. like this person I don't like this cold room I don't like this weird basement I'm in uh, my mom had a piano around and I <clears throat> went to art school for a summer at RISD and a kid taught me scales my roommate at RISD uh, taught me scales. And I was like, okay, wait. So you just have to understand this really fundamental language. It's like learning, learning vowels. You understand this fundamental language and the entire keyboard opens up to you. It's just like, wow. It's, that, starts a, that started a, 
you know, a love affair with piano that never would have been provided. Oh my God, I got I got given piano lessons when I was a kid. I bloody hated it. I it's like practiced. going to the dentist. Oh yeah. yeah. Had she put yeah, a drum kit in front of me, that's a whole yeah. different thing. I've always wanted to play the drums, but piano, I was rubbish at it. And it was yeah. it's like you're saying excruciating yeah. having to it's, try and I do think, something. I think it's the wrong way. I think I think I, I you know I think it works for some people, um, but I think it's when it, with an artistic aptitude and artistic bent, and artistic leaning. Mm. Um, the piano is very approachable object. Drums are very approachable. Guitar yes. is very approachable. Yes. But the structures of them and the rules and the way that people sort of confine you to approach these things is, I think it's it's kind of backwards. It's unartistic. So so you've got, I mean, you, you do, there's so much that you do. Have you always been in, because in, I'm curious to understand, I've, you know, for anyone listening, you and I met through Will Kennedy at the UN and I like, I'm, I'm, I'd like to say he's such a good egg. I mean, you all yeah, just are so, such kindred spirits and, and oh, incredible man, people. And have you always um, been involved, like been passionate about environment and climate and, um and wanting to do something that's philanthropic. I mean, how did that, how did you get involved in that initially? Your I, passion? I, well, naturally the gravitation now is to uh, keep an eye out for the well-being of humans and animals that inhabit our planet. So obviously if you're philanthropic or, you know, in the, the I think the underbelly of philanthropy is kindness. Mm, and if mm. you have kindness in your heart, uh, you, you can't have a conversation about any, ailment that's facing society and the, and, and the inhabitants of the earth, uh, whether it's criminal justice reform, gun control, environmental justice, all the way to, you know, deforestation, which is obviously a biological problem. Um, I grew up with uh, parents that were kind. I grew up, my uh, mom ran the United Way, which I don't know if you're as familiar with United Way. Um, no, I'm not. Over the ocean. But the United Way is a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, a very it's a very big um, uh, charity in the U.S. that local businesses give money into a local pot and they help local charities. Oh, they wow. call agency. Yeah, it's kind of it's an interesting structure. Sorry, it's my dog barking. Um, and my mom ran the United Way uh, in our our county area, right? And so my mom uh, <clears throat> is a you know a super bright woman, and she kind of bucked the norms in the 60s and did not get married her senior year of college it rather went to dc and uh, took up a a, a career in, in in a in a burgeoning field of medical record administration which sounds boring but it was really kind of necessary mm. it was sort of mm. it was a sort of the pre-advent of digitization of the medical uh recording industry you know and and it was kind of it was a neat field i've gone back and i've looked at some of the articles she's written in you know, medical journey journals from, you know, wow. 1971. Wow. And what it's, what it's fascinating, because I'm fascinated with archival advertising. I could look at ads mm -mm -mm. from, you know, erstwhile generations and just say, fuck, these are great. Look at that Chevrolet. That's amazing. Look at that. You know, they're just, it's a fascinating study in culture. You know, ads from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, you know, which was my sweet spot. And, you know, I looked through some of these journals that my mom was published in. And every other page is an art is an ad for some sort of weird antiquated computization of journaling medical records. They're fascinating. It's a complete like medical record advertising from the seventies is hilarious <laughs> to think that we were ever at that analog stage. Yes, but how crucial it was to the people who were reading that au courant. You know, they were like, holy fuck, look at this digital recording card system, you know, whereas now it's, it seems just so antiquated. It's funny. Anyway, so my mom, you know, went from, from that and, you know, she wasn't there just like, oh, I need to make money. She was wanted to help people. She went to rural yes, hospitals yeah. and figured out how to help them be more efficient at the care they give. And yeah, I'm, we're talking rural hospitals, you know, um, and I didn't understand it until later in my life, but my mom would get up in the morning and leave and she would go drive to, I mean, places that had four hospital beds, you know, wow. and served, wow. you know, really, really interesting thing. So my mom, so despite that in her professional career and then taking on the, the helm for well over a decade of, of um, you know, a, a nonprofit in America that's in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, repute or in the uh, uh, reputationally as, as high as the Salvation Army. Um, 
uh, and, and she was great there. So, and my dad, uh, who was a defense attorney um, versus a prosecuting attorney, and um, prosecuting attorneys go off and make a lot of money. Defense attorneys tend to help people get equal representation under the law. Yes, what, yes. What, what, you know, and so there's, you know, having learned a little bit more about, you know, uh, uh, you know, litigation and lawyers, um, you know, they come in many stripes, you know, and understanding why people go in to the pursuit of law uh, comes from a variety of different desires. And I saw my dad um, was fair minded in terms of the idea that everyone is, uh, everyone is, has due process and everybody has um, the ability to access the rights that provide them in the US constitution. And to a certain extent, um, from a human rights standpoint, uh, and my dad was very representational in that. You know, he had 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 some cases published, and he was very instrumental in um, <laughs> in revising the New York State uh, voir dire process, and that's how we mm. uh, how we get uh, uh, jurors uh, that are you know jurors of your peers that are un unbridled and unwavered and uh, unbiased. Um, and you know he was quite proud of that, and he was he was recognized in the New York State Bar Association for helping to revise the jury system as well. So, uh, Eddie volunteered at the YMCA and at wow, the church, wow. and so we you know there was a lot of uh, it's kind of a convoluted way of saying I grew up under the uh, the banner of uh, kindness about mm. understanding whether you know when you're a seven year old or an eight year old you don't know whether you're doing that, um, but I just generally never flinched at the idea of saying, hey, we're doing a can drive. Hey, somebody mm -hmm. donated a dollar. Hey, let's go clean up the park. Hey, let's That's volunteer. so and interesting listening to you say all that because that's all of that, describing, listening to you talk about your mom and dad, you just, I think, have also described what you're doing and who you are. Like you're, there's a lot of what they've done in the past that I think is what you're doing now. You're carrying yeah. on. Yeah, and, like you know, defending defending like people like in Flint for water that can't defend themselves. You're helping them by putting the water boxes, and you know you're showing the kindness and um, helping businesses with clean water. It's, I think there's there is a connection there. I think. Yeah, I think everybody has a you know they sometimes I use the term confidence trajectory, mm -hmm. um, and they start it, it, it establishes itself at different stages in your life. You know, some people don't find their confidence until they're fifty. You know, yes, some people yes. find their confidence and there's a difference between swagger and bravado and confidence, you know, mm -hmm. confidence. Yeah. You know, it, I, I, sometimes there's a lot of C's that get thrown around. Sometimes confidence can be co construed <laughs> as, uh, as cocky. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of yes. looked at com confidence more so erring on the side of capable. Yes, and when you yes. are aware of your capabilities and you can kind of hone them and you enjoy them and you love them, <clears throat> you know, do you, you really can, uh, you really can kind of excel. And I think confidence, particularly in, our, in, a, in an artistic trait, which is something, you know, anyone can exhibit confidence from being the fastest runner in class, mm, you know, mm. and that's not to be underlooked, but when you start getting outside things that are not otherwise in the, in the mainstream of the fairway, you start to be artist, artistic pursuits, um, human, you know, I mean, we weren't talking a lot about justice in 1975, but now, you know, as a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, um, I start to see this with my own daughter. Um, her vernacular around justice is 100x more than mine was when I was her age. Yes, and yeah. what it means for equality and what it means to understand. And I, she teaches me um, things about evolving and emerging culture that you know weren't taught to us you know but so yes, yes. I think as a <clears throat> from a you know just as an example I with the area I grew up is beautiful beautiful place it's in upstate New York and it's where we make just water I, I can liken it kind of to the Lake District in your mm, country mm. Uh, it's beautiful and I love it and it's my home and there's a beautiful beautiful park in the middle of it uh, America loves its parks you know actually so does Germany so does England uh, yes. there's one thing about parks and Parks are a lot of our national pride. Um, as Ken Burns and Teddy Roosevelt said that the national park system is America's best idea. Um, and <clears throat> there's a park in our town and they're always keeping it up and preserving it. And I, you know, I'm friends with the friends of Crandall Park. And, you know, they said, Drew, 
we want to make some t-shirts and sell them to raise money to preserve the park. I'm like, okay, don't fuck this up. Let me do the t-shirts. <laughs> I was like, I can, I can I'll already see how this, yeah, I can already see how this is going and it's not pretty. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I just, you know, and because I had a design aptitude, it was very easy for me to whip something up that I think would probably excel what they would get locally. Um, and it was just, it, I didn't even think about it. I was like, I, I would be offended if you don't ask me to volunteer. Yes, yes. I, I'll, I'll be pissed. This is a design crime <laughs> that I would have to stamp out ex post facto. And so I just kind of whipped out these designs and they're cool and they're kind of retro pedagogy or whatever. But that that's just like a way where, you know, I could give a hundred bucks yes. or yes. I'd rather, I'd rather make sure, and I want to make something that people are going to be like, that's a cool shirt, where'd you get that? And, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that's a way to, you know, give back and whatever aptitude you have. Um, yeah, so I'm proud of what you're doing. Every time I see a mission magazine, I say, God, oh, damn. well, I tell you what, you I you cracked the code. <laughs> well, not yet. And actually, you know, I was listening, obviously, doing some research for this podcast. Those things that I was listening to and hearing that you said, which I have to say really did re resonate with me, and it just it made me smile because I thought, oh, good, oh. he's got on, he's got on the long crappy journey too. And some <laughs> things you said was no one is going to buy water we can't see which was the first thing you, i think you said um someone said to you about the water being in the bottle the blue bottle it was a negative approach um and then you also said which really really i can relate to is persist 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 yep. if you believe yep. in something you've just got to have this unbridled like passion and your blinkers are on and you're doing it my mom, when I moved, when I moved to LA, my mom didn't want me to move to LA. And, she, and when I got to LA, I opened up my bag and she put a piece of paper with a quote on it. Oh. Um, and it's from John Kelly. It was about persistence. Mm. And it was about, um, <clears throat> it said that nothing has solved the world's woes in uh, over history greater than the word persistence, the notion wow. of persistence. And it said, the world is filled with unrewarded geniuses. They're commonplace. It said to go and to perform your best and to help humanity, the single thread of all great people that have done that are they are persistent. And that's a, and that's a very that's a very triumphant quote. It's a very triumphant thing to say. But persistence is fucking hard. Yes. <laughs> you, know, yes. you could say courage. You could say courage. <laughs> hey, I got courage. Yeah. You know, I'm not battling a dragon. That requires courage. I know. You know persistence yeah. is saying like fuck. Why am I not catching a break, you know? And yeah, yeah. You get that a lot, you know, with people that are heroes, that are business heroes, you know, I say what you want about some of the Titan, Buffett, Bezos, Musk, whatever. You know, these people, um, it wasn't always easy, you know? No, these people no. had a vision. You know, hey, I'm going to sell books on the internet. Good luck, bro. Yeah. And now look at yeah. <clears throat> you know? And, <laughs> you know you make it sound so simple what's the <laughs> idea then look at it yeah. no it's, it's like, true what, what are you talking about there's 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 barnes and nobles there's bookstores yeah, people yeah. love bookstores they're never gonna give it up you know so anyway uh yeah there have been some trials and tribulations you know i mean just water was um it was more uphill than downhill um for sure but yeah. you know, it was a journey uh it was a journey of learning there's things i do today that really have nothing to do with just water but i learned because i wanted to be excellent at environmental packaging yes yes i you know and as we it's now it, it's all there's a sea of opportunity well there's a sea of options and opportunities in greenwashing when you start tipping mm -hmm. into the fashion space and direct to commerce and you know i can buy anything through the internet now we all know this um and you know packaging and material inputs are really a challenging thing you know plastics uh, glass uh, uh, you know metal aluminum mm -mm, uh, mm. you know paper how do we know you know what's uh, you know what's the the life cycle analysis and the traits of origin how do you know all this stuff so there is intentional opacity uh, i think by a lot of big businesses on this um to make you feel less guilty about buying a bunch yes. of shit yeah um but i also think that there is um subconscious transparency by generation that's buying all this shit mm -hmm. so uh you know i commonly refer to my uh uh one of the employees of 51c3 sophia is you know eco warrior uh she's 22 um and you know she's a she's a fantastic mouthpiece for what's going on in her generation and how um 
how they don't buy, buy into the bullshit. Yes. Oh, completely. But I think, that, <laughs> yeah. and that's our, I mean, that's our target audience is the younger generation. Just naturally, I think, because I don't buy into bullshit. I'm very, as you know, we've no. had a couple of meetings. I'm very, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very straight and I'm very that direct. should be on your and... business card. <laughs> <laughs> Mission Magazine, don't buy the bullshit. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah but, you know, I was, I was listening to like um, to other, other interviews you had done and, um, Someone was saying something like, oh, it takes a long time to, to, to form a business. And a mate of mine, I was telling a mate of mine the other day about it because I was I was raving about you and um, how supportive you've been to me. And I, and she said, she goes to me, you know, Karina, it takes about 10 years before you see a business start to go. Every year as you pursue and you're persistent, it gets, it gets, uh, it gets easier. Yes. And yes. Your, your vernacular language and, and mission and, and definition of said thing um, becomes more uh, clear. Yes, yeah, clear, fine-tuned. Clear. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What made you um what made you focus on water? Was that a kind of a no-brainer to do? Um, you know, uh, when you go to when you go to MIT and you start talking about and you let me let me backstop this. When you have a desire to um, look at environmental issues, right? Mm. Um, and you want to be you become a little more expert at it, um, and you start really talking to people that are experts in these areas, you look at where the most important word, word on the planet in terms of the climate change situation is sing, one single word, energy. It's mm -hmm. all about energy, right? And, not, and I'm not just talking about fossil fuels, oil, gas, uh, coal. Uh, I'm talking about the, the reason you and I could be talking intercontinentally right now has to do with energy. Yes. There's a reason that our telephony is instantaneous. There's very little latency with the way we're talking right now. It's as if you're sitting on the couch next to me. All right. And it all has to do with energy. You know, the tennis ball that I'm bouncing right now is made of rubber. That rubber was procured for energy. I expect this tennis ball to work. I expect it to bounce. I want it here. My dog wants to play with it. That expectation that the built environment around is about energy and what we're supposed to do with it and how it's going, how it's shaped our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the the the, glo the global planet really doesn't give a fuck about energy. The global planet has been here for billions of years and did not need energy but for its microbial action. The time that humans, the anthrop anthropogenic time that we're on, if you looked at the life of the planet as seven days, I mean, I'm sorry, if you look at a week as seven days, mm -hmm. the time humans are occupying the planet is less than a millisecond. So just think about that <clears throat> when you're talking about seven days, 24 hours, less than a millisecond. That's insane. Okay. So this is a convoluted way to say, how do you get the water? The, the, when you go to, when you go and start entering into the science and engineering environment, there's really three underpinnings to that. And it's energy, food, and water. And they are all, they're sister concepts. They're not exclusive. And when you start looking at water, which is something that I've always gravitated to having grown up in that part of the world um, and having walked around into different parts living in Southern California, which really is a synthetic environment. People shouldn't be living in Los Angeles. Um, it's man-made, um, mm -hmm. you know, this should be a desert. Um, yes. And so have, looking at uh, susceptibility west of the Mississippi here geographically in the US, you know, the entire Western, Western part of the United States is always going to be water stressed. And it has been for quite some time. Um, and so when you, going back to your point about like a lot of times your business model pivots, um, me being involved with energy issues, civil and environmental engineering and nuclear science and plasma uh, and applied physics at MIT is a, is a thing that I feel very comfortable talking about and being involved with looking for problems and trying to solve them. Um, mm -hmm. It's easy to then hop over and be water a water person and you know commercially how just water came about um was really because i <clears throat> have a relationship with uh, the smiths will and jada um mm -hmm. and i made that relationship <laughs> relationship working in hip-hop and music um and i the kids you know the kids had always been around you know i remember when willow was like in roller skates in her kitchen um and the kids like i was referring to sophia this kids of this generation are coming up and they're smart as fuck and they are curious and they have a hell of a lot more anxiety than I did when I was yes. when, when yeah. I was nine. They have eco-anxiety. That's a thing. And they know about it. And so they're going to come to their parents and not say, hey, 
let's, you know, in the nine, in the seventies, it was like, Hey, we really got to stamp out littering. You know, that was like the biggest oh social gosh, wall, God, yeah. you, know, you know, or let's do a can drive at Christmas, you know, shit like that. Um, <clears throat> but these kids came with much bigger, much bigger, much more, uh, I'd say, uh, um, well, I'm not the word, uh, broad questions about, you know, why are the ice caps melting? Why, how are we not helping polar bears? Why, is the, why are we not having electric cars? You know, there's a huge, you know, mythology of clusters of, of, of plastic in the ocean. Um, and, the, and the mythology is not that plastic doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist like an island. Yes, it's, uh, yes. it's, it's, it's small and invisible almost. Um, and so, the, you know, they said, look, you know, they came with questions that required scientific answers. You know, Will, uh, in his jovial way, would say, go talk to your mom. And Jada, who's, you know, a, a you know, fair model mom, was like, I'm not indifferent to your problems, but I don't know the answers, honey. Yes, yes. Jada and Willow. And they were like, sounds like Drew would be the guy to go talk to. <laughs> you know, and so I knew the kids, and, you know, I'd been working with Jaden, and we had just, I just come off after Earth and had some great success with Karate Kid and starting to uh, record uh which he's pretty adept at um and they would they somehow they were near my office and they just roll in and ask me a bunch of questions and one way or another it was a variety of things across energy food and water and really turned into a lot of uh, questions that you know why are we not seeing the impacts that we want and a lot of mm. these questions started to, to hop over into the business vertical of well let's talk about commerce let's talk about the mm -hmm. economics of this you know, <laughs> let's talk about, you know, fair models and fair trade uh, practices for the stuff we have on our, on our desks, in our pantries, in our bellies, you know, and so we, and, you know, this, I think this story is kind of known, but I had said to the kids, I said, why don't we, why don't we create a business? Because at the root and the underpinning of sustainability and socioeconomics is, is business. It's, yes. it's commercialism and capitalism, which I don't think is um, to be demonized. Uh, globalization and capitalism actually can do have some shining stars to them. Um, this is how uh, this is how we, you know, this is how trade works. This is how agreement works. This is how peace works. Um, so the kids came and they said, "Hey, let's do something." Uh, and I was like, "Okay, cool. Let's create a let's create a fake company and let's just build it from the ground up with the DNA like any company. How do you unfuck Nestle? What would we do?" Wow! Right? Wow! Yeah. And so we did it. We, it was a it was a science project for their school. At that oh time. my god! Called, yeah, it was called Mystery School. That's what they wanted to call their school. And they, I mean, they're they're kind of grown young adults now, and so they're not as in attention to school. But at the time, you know, these guys had they structured their own curricula, and um, they really went after it. You know, I I really laud the kids for their pursuit of knowledge, uh, and I think with the great educators around them and hopefully, you know, in some sort of meek way, my inputs is that the kids definitely grew up at knowing that knowledge is not absolute, that it's a constant pursuit. Uh, and that, you know, you, you don't graduate in 12th grade and say, I never want to learn anything ever again. Fuck school. This mm -hmm. is awful, you know. Uh, and so we went off and we did, um, we created Just Water, you know, and we created everything from the way you acquire water, how you hire people, what are the best places in the country to hire people, that need jobs, what's going on in the climate right now, what's going on in the economy right now. This is, you know, when I took the kids on, it was 2011, you know, ever since 2008 in the subprime mortgage thing. I mean, there's, you know, there have been jobs were shipped away. You know, I grew up in a manufacturing town, you know, that was either, they either made paper or medical instruments and no medical instruments are yes. not being made overseas. So people are out of work, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and so you're like, can I naively have the concept in my head of creating a company that makes cleaner, greener things and put people back to work making solar panels or paper bottles? Jesus, what a massive undertaking. That was a huge yeah. achievement. I huge. never looked at it as daunting. Never. Mm. <clears throat> never. Not at all. It's like, fuck yeah. When I, my, when I started dating my wife, she was like, this guy's crazy. He keeps showing me this paper. <laughs> He's like, ah, he's not gonna pull it. He keeps showing me this paper bottle and says he's gonna start a bottle of water company. And she makes that joke. She's like, dude, I can't believe you pulled that up. Wow. <laughs> that's know. brilliant. Oh my god, that's so inspiring <coughs> to hear that. 
That's brilliant, but not true. Only but you... it, it brings it brings in a question of like, well, who else were you dating that didn't pull off their own ideas? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe I was a low bar to cross. <laughs> <laughs> right i haven't and we'll get into that oh no that's a different that's that, that's you and her you do that another show another podcast that's no, an odd cast. Involved. <laughs> and, it, and it just um, i've got the giggles now it just it i mean it's it then also sounds listen to you that it was a natural progression to do the water box and i saw you do the talk with um debbie who um is the founder yeah, i think of the environment yeah emas oh i met mm -hmm. In 2017, when I first had the idea for mission, I met her and I came to LA and she was absolutely, oh. absolutely wonderful and kind to oh, me yeah. and um, so, so nice. Um, yeah, but um, yes, yes. And you, you and <clears throat> Jaden and her on stage talking and you said the water box is this extra small. The water box is small and you want to go up, up, up. So what, what, what's next? What do you think, like what is oh. in the whole of the Just Water that you think you, you want to achieve that you're, you haven't yet? Well, this can get nerdy real quick, but you can look at when if you let me just subsection off water and you look at mm. water, there's water access and water quality. That's how it breaks down. Um, yeah. We have plenty of water on the planet. We just can't drink it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that so the fresh water and public drinking water is 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 a, is if you kind of get down to it, you start talking about a bunch of different geographical locations. Water is fucking emotional. It mm -hmm. wars have been started over water. And they will be, and they will continue to be. And the when you look at you know small, medium, large, extra large, the innovations in the science and technology around water really hasn't changed that much in the past few years. I mean, water filtration has been the same for about fifty years. There hasn't really been a lot of innovation, but that's not a bad thing. It's not like we need to go ahead and you know really speed up nano filtration. That's mm -hmm. going to take forever nanofiltration would be basically the equations in water are easy there's quantities there's pressure there's uh it, pressure requires energy how do you push it's like when you're in a when you're at your sink you have a sponge and you turn on the faucet and the water slowly but surely slowly but surely gets through the sponge right <clears throat> well gravity has a play with that the pressure of the water coming out of your faucet has a play with that. And those are all energy issues. Those are all things. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at small, medium, large, extra large, is one of the, the gentlemen uh, who established the water factory when we started Just Water also had another business that um, was doing groundwater recycling. And this is, I can hear people tuning out because it sounds boring. But yeah, there's a really important way of reusing water. Okay, water. The water that you drink, Karina, that you're going to take a sip from your glass momentarily, that, think about this, that water has been in this ecosystem for billions of years. Mm -hmm. So many people, that water is used. Cleopatra might have drank that water. That water has been around. It just keeps moving. It's just moving around. Yes, it, yes. Water doesn't leave, doesn't leave the atmosphere, the biosphere, or uh, the marine sphere. It's all, it's been here forever. And this, the, the way we clean it and the way we, we transition it, um, you know, happens through a lot of biological problems. You know, it goes to the Amazon, uh, it rains in the Amazon, it sinks into the ground, it evaporates, it goes up in the air and it becomes rain in, you know, Mexico, you know, and then it, and then it leaves there and it goes out into the, into the Pacific and it goes up to San Francisco and somebody drinks it and they urinate and it goes into the sewer that goes out to the ocean and the ocean flows it over to Japan. You know, this, it's just, that's the way it works. So with what we were doing in Glens Falls, New York, with just water, um, which is not not a highly filtered water because the water is already beautiful, um, we knew that we could step it up and go to places largely in the built environment, specifically here, when we started in Flint. And we knew that a lot of the, uh, the, the off-the-shelf parts were ways you just have to, you just dial it in to fit a specific problem. Um, and a lot of the people that we're, we're messing around in Flint before we're donating bottled water and their heart is in the right place. That's, mm. that's not really a, not a systemic fix. And um, when we went to Flint, and now mind you, for some of your, maybe your international listeners, if you have a passing understanding of what Flint is, Flint's largely an African-American community. And as you get outside the inner circle, it's, it's, it's a very lower income. Um, it's a little rough. Um, there's parts of it that are food deserts. 
and it was an absolute fucking catastrophe in 2014 mm-hmm. what happened i mean i can't i think catastrophe is too stark too 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 soft a word Mm-mm. it was a fucking disaster yeah of leadership and you know these are communities that have you know you know two, how can two rivers have a radically different uh, uh biological profile you know and it and i mean it largely comes from the automotive industry largely comes from dumping paint corrosion all this stuff mm-hmm. but they tried to do a backroom deal and they switched it basically they just switched the lever said we're going to go for, we're not going to go from river a anymore so we don't want to pay the money to detroit we're going to go to river b and nobody did their fucking homework and river b was toxic mm-hmm. and it went into mm-hmm. the blood of younger kids and older people you know if i drink a cup with a little bit of lead in it right now i could get sick i might have to do a little bit of damage but more for the most part most point most part uh, my immune system is, is is set to be able to kind of tackle. That, yes, yes. Right. You know, there is some. There's a reason the EPA has a part billion uh, threshold, is that we do drink lead. Lead will pulse into your water. But this was way the fuck over the, the threshold. Mm-hmm. And when you start to get into lower income communities, African American, Latino, you start to having different health outcomes hereditarily, and that's another whole justice thing that we for another podcast. But you have people with underlying conditions, diabetes, um, mm. heart disease, um, and you can systemically draw a line on that, that, hey, there is, I don't have access to leafy greens. No one's ever taught me how to eat correctly. There's no green space. My athletic programs at my school are chronically underfunded. Um, I don't have a great home life, perhaps. There's a variety of different socioeconomic problems as to how you get there. But one way or another, um, this community got absolutely tranched with it. And there's studies that have seen, shown that from day one onward, the infant mortality rate spiked. Moms are losing their babies um, from ingestion of lead. And then we don't even know the long-term effects of the, you know, the cognitive outcomes of the people. That yes, yeah, disabilities and everything. Wow. Yeah, or How? just just something, something is more insidious, which is, why is this particular person so temperamental? Why is there hostility or mental health problem? These are cognitive issues that are, you know, and I, I, you couldn't even do a, you couldn't do a fractal diagram as to what the outcomes are um, from the things you put in your body uh, that mm-hmm. range from mental to physical health. Anyway, so you, and uh, you know, as somebody that's out there doing the work, I, I don't, I, I tend not to spend the time in stupor or sadness about this because I am going back to the word capable and persistent. No, um, and you're trying to, you know, and you're helping and you're, you are making a difference in people's lives so. in, in those in those lower income communities. Have you have you been received when you go to those those places? Are is it is it always, Fantastic. you know, yeah, so they're always accommodating and it's it's a community and you're, they're open to you. Yeah, because you know, this goes back to this goes back to something my dad used to say, which is listening is one of the highest forms of love. Mm. And the one of the, when we were like, all right, we're going to go to Flint. You know, I, I have enough ability to understand sort of pub, public perception and media having worked in Hollywood for a while to say like, I'm not rolling into Flint and taking a selfie and get the fuck out. I was like, mm-hmm. you got to go the right way. And so I, I did my homework. I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, what's going on in Flint? I spoke to a bunch of people in DC, got, met up with a, uh, a group, <clears throat> called Black Millennials for Flint. And I just said, look, here, here, we're here. We have resources. We want to help, but we don't want to be you assholes. What do you do? And they're like, you got to go through the church. I'm like, all right. And, you know, growing up Irish Catholic and, you know, I understand, you know, I understand faith. I understand the faith-based yes. environment. Um, I have no problem. And having worked most of my early professional career in hip-hop and R&B, um, I have no aversion or no sort of... Uh, no sort of feeling of insecurity going to the communities that don't look like how I grew up. Yeah, I don't. don't, don't Back to that that confidence that you said earlier. uh, Having the confidence. Yeah, confidence in the way of capability. Uh, So, you know, going in and and listening, you know, we didn't roll in and say, hey, we got a great solution. Here's the keys. Good luck. Mm. You walk in and say, how are you getting by? How are you doing? What's going on? And we met. We were led to a fantastic pastor, uh, Ezra Tillman, First Trinity Baptist Church, and he's uh, he's just an energetic, fantastic. He takes Monday off and just writes his sermon for the following sun, Sunday. 
and he's so compelling. It's so great. And I, I didn't grow up in the black church, but I'll tell you, <clears throat> I made friends with the woman who was the musical director. And if you're not moving by the end of a <laughs> Sunday session at First Trinity Baptist Church in Flint, Michigan, uh, you know, <laughs> Oh God. And I just, I just fell in love it. I became real good friends with his wife, uh, Katrina. And we just said, look, let's chop it up. What is, what's going on? And we walked in and it wasn't, it wasn't exactly what we thought was going on. But basically what it was, was a bunch of 60 and 70 year old men that were retired from the auto plant. They really just wanted to be grandparents and spend time with their children and volunteer at the church. And now all of a sudden they're running forklifts in their back parking lot, moving cases and pallets of water around. Mm-hmm. And you talk to you know Deacon Corals or uh, at Pastor Tillman, and you go, "This is not how they expected to spend retirement, yeah. but they're doing yeah. it. It's Lord, yeah. it's Lord's work. It's my community." And you look at it and you say, "Look, I can roll in here, and I can even worse roll in here with a celebrity, which is more high rate." Yes, uh, but Jade's yes. not, not that guy. He's not that guy. He's 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 he's, he's kind. He listens. He's eager uh, to learn you know he's not i'm gonna take a selfie and bounce um yeah yeah but he seems to have been with you in the you know the, the, since the start start of the whole of the process oh yeah and, yeah know, that's commitment and yeah yeah we committed to flint and you know we rolled in and we looked and we said look all right I, you know what i thought was the problem as per the news was not 100 percent the problem we know it's a water issue but mm-hmm. we're four years after this what's the problem now um and let's design a solution. Let's engineer to that problem now. Um, and that's when we, so we didn't roll in with a water box. We rolled in with open ears. Then we rolled back to uh, Detroit and we, we engineered a solution as per the problems we learned. And that's where the water box came from. And it, it, it was, it's a big hit, you know, it was a yes, big yeah. hit. And it was also something I kind of like, or Oprah's quote, which is success is the greatest revenge. It was yes. kind of like, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I always liked that. I always enjoyed that because uh, her story is interesting, of course. Um, and I always liked that because it was kind of like a fuck you. How can two people that, you know, <laughs> we didn't have a ton of money. I mean, yeah. you know, granted, this is our well resourced, but we weren't well resourced. You know, I think we had like $50,000. We designed a solution and we brought story, which was on equal footing with the engineered solution. We brought it. And it it really recirculated the the story and solutions based storytelling and solutions based thinking and proactivity. Um, and you know we've copied and pasted that water box uh, nineteen other times, um, not only within America but in the territory of Puerto Rico. And we have a water box in Uganda. I was just going to say we, you're going to expand to other territories. Yeah, and I, you know, I, this is the thing. In in these funny environments we're in, rather than having sort of a fledgling nonprofit with a dollar and a dream, you know, I get I get a lot of incoming communication from a variety of people. That's how I met you, Karina. Yes. You know, yes. I, not everyone picks up the phone and calls Will Kennedy at the UN. You know, I, I, just be a good person, listen, be jovial, be fun, be kind, um, and things come your way. You know, yes, I, yeah. I randomly had like coffee the other day with the son of the incumbent president of the Congo in Beverly wow. Hills. Wow. And I was, you know, I hit him up and I was like, is this a scam? What are these, what, you know, <laughs> I was like, what? And Sophia, you know, uh, my, you know, my watchful hawk goes, dude, you should take that meeting. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, dude. I'm like, all right, cool. She's like, fuck it, I'll drive to Beverly Hills and sat down and, and I was blown away wow. by wow. the spirit of the, and it was him and it was three brothers that are the sons of the Minister of Finance of the Congo. And I was, and I was just like frank with them. I was like able to sit with them. You know, I mean, they don't have a principality over there, but yeah, this kid who could be on track to becoming the successor to his dad, the president of the Congo. And, and I, I just sat and listened. I was like, look, your country, has, <laughs> your, your country has a shitty brand, dude. And Hollywood's not helping. What's going on in the Congo? And he, he goes, let me break it down. And he did. And I was just like, okay, that's interesting. It's 105 million people. It's freaking massive. It controls 56% of the water in the U.S. It's been fraught with corruption and gangs, but there is an energy with this younger generation. And this kid, these, these yeah. younger kids, these younger kids, uh, Yoel, um, 
He's the same age as Sophia. He lives in Miami and is an American. Wow, and wow. this generation, I look at him and I was just like, fuck, I want to go to the Congo. <clears throat> you know, well, and I wasn't saying that a week ago. And wow. so, and they hit me up because they're like, look, we, we have a lot of water, obviously, you know, I mean, they're obviously the river is infamous from lore and movies uh, or literature and movies. Um, and so I'm, I'm like, let's pursue it. And a solution, I was going back to the idea that there hasn't really been a lot of innovation in water. There doesn't really need to be. There just needs to be more deployment of innovation. Mm -mm. Yes. Yeah. Right? No, so expanding into different territories. Yeah. The same yeah. thing. Yeah. If we have energy and pressure, you can take anything out of water. And God, that's, that's so exciting. Deal. That's so yeah, exciting. Yeah, it's cool. You know, we, 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 um, at the, at the, um, we have a huge hospital here in Los Angeles called Cedar Sinai. Yes. Right? And we also have, oddly, we, some parts of LA have a high groundwater table, right? And so uh, when you dig a basement in LA, eventually, or your parking garage or whatever, eventually you're going to hit water. Okay. And by law, well, by the structural law, you got to get that water out of there. If you have two basements and you're storing files or whatever, parking mm -hmm. cars, you can't have water coming in. So you have to send it away, right? And a lot of times, with you, this has been around since the Roman times, you catch the water in a basin and you divert it out to storm or sewer. And depending on the quality of the water, you know, if you're a, you know, an accountant's office, chances are you're not being doing too much polluting. But if you're a, yes. you know, a, you know, a welding shop, your chances. So anyway, LA is very good at kind of saying, okay, how are you, do you need a permit to send this water out? It's called a dewatering permit. And let's check out your water to determine where that thing's going to go. Anyway, so Cedars has about, shit, they have like hundreds of thousands of gallons underneath their hospital every day, moving around, wow. coming in, moving out. And they send up, you know, I, I mean, it's actually probably more than that. They, and they take some of this, they take water in, they send it up to do all, you know, for drinking and bathing and sanitation and all that stuff. And then they discharge it. And then they have water running under their campus that they don't use because they're just they weren't smart enough to figure out what to do with it. So they're sending all this water everywhere. And we were like, hey, let's design a system that keeps the water there. Don't send it away. Um, cleans it, you know, through uh, uh, you know reverse osmosis and, and uh, VOC filters and disc filtration. Like it's a pretty complicated system, but it's not one that's been around since the '60s. Mm -hmm. And instead of sending it out to the ocean, send it upstairs. And this system works. And we probably save the city of LA about 30 million gallons of water a year, um, just for that one system. Now, Cedars, great, incredibly impressive hospital complex, um, doesn't, as you would imagine, doesn't do a great job of storytelling. Um, but we were successful because we had a relationship with uh, the, uh, at that time, the mayor, uh, Mayor Erica Setti, who's not going to become the ambassador to India. Um, to reach out to them and say, hey, dude, you need to check this out. This is pretty, pretty epic in your backyard. And you don't know about this. You should. So he showed up, went to the ribbon cutting, gave Jaden and I a big shout out as to in front of the entire team. <laughs> was, I'll send you the video. He was like, Dude, I'd love was, to see it. It was fucking awesome because we're sitting with all these Cedars people that were just like, yeah, this will never work. A lot of like negative people. Um, and the people that okayed the system had since retired. So new people were in and were like, what the, why am I wasting my time with this mm. funny system, these tubes in the basement? And then all of a sudden, it's <laughs> all of a sudden, the American said he's there. And lastly, I want to thank uh, Jaden Smith and Drew Fitzgerald for even putting this thing on my fucking radar. He didn't say the F bomb, but I'll send you the video. And I was yeah, looking around yeah. just like, all right, suck it, Cedars. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. If you remember, one of my favorite Oscar acceptance speeches was for uh, uh, was by Bill Murray uh, when he had said, I, "I'd like to thank with, with the indie film. I forget which one it was. He won. He said, "I'd like to thank the people at the studio, but there's so many people over there trying to take credit. I wouldn't know where to start." <laughs> and, and I just thought it was great. It was just very, very telling about how many friends you have upon success and how many little you have upon, up, uh, at the beginning of an endeavor. Yes. Um, so. Yes, anyway. I, can, I, re I can relate to that a lot of yeah. things, but um, I, it goes back to your got knocked down so many times that you get back up again. Yeah, um, been down so that's... long, I don't know what up looks like. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I've been blessed and very fortunate. I, I, I've got great resources, great people. You work hard, but enjoy it. My dad always said, 
um, you know, love thing, uh, uh, you know, whether it's welding, needlepoint, your mom, whatever it is, if you love something, you become, a, a, you add another chapter to it, you become a reinterpreter and that's how you become yes, Yeah. Yeah, no, and totally. You can just wow. love coffee. You can love coffee for the rest of your life. Just be the best at coffee. Yeah. Go yeah. love it. If you love something, you add the next chapter. Guaranteed. Oh my goodness. Drew, I've, I've taken an hour of your time and I've, I've, only really? gone to, I've only gone through half of my questions with you. So we're going to have to do okay. another one because I wanted to talk about hip hop. I wanted to talk about your painting. There's so much I, I mean, want to talk to you about. You want to keep going or I, it's up to you? Um, you no, we'll do a second one because I tell you why. I was told when I first started doing the podcast, you shouldn't do them more than 25 minutes. They're always about 45, 50 minutes because I always talk to people that I inspire me and I love listening and I can't shut up and they love to talk. So it's, um, I was told I should never go over an hour because you lose people's attention span. So I think we'll do another part two with you. you when you've come I'm back, not... when you've come back from the Congo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You know what? One time, I, I, one time when we first did the water box, um, somebody somebody did a video or edited a video for us, and it seemed kind of long, right? And Jaden made this point, and he goes, and then he we took we found another editor that Jaden was like, dude, go with this guy, and I was like, all right, cool. And he came back and he sent us one that's even longer, five minutes. Mm. And I go, dude, this is even longer than the first one. And Jaden goes, yeah, but it feels shorter. And I'm uh. like, I fucking feel you, dude. <clears throat> it was it was cool. I was just like, you know what? You're right. Um, that's clever and, uh, and also the other thing is you ever listen to sam harris's podcast no no oh god they're like four hours oh you have to get on sam harris making sense. okay oh you'll it will fuck you up <laughs> he's, a, he, he's a he's a once in a generation mind wow yeah. wow okay yeah, that's oh, gonna yeah. be my next one that's been my next yeah. one i've been listening to louis theroux the whole time oh god i love which were uh, awesome but i'm gonna stop yeah. record now Thank you for listening to that fun chat with Drew. I'd like to think of it as two rebel peas in a pod. I'd like to give an introduction to our next guest who we just featured in our latest issue, The United Nations. She was part of our A to Z series where we described her as an actor, television host, model, philanthropist, activist. She has been at UNHICR Goodwill Ambassador since 2020. That by the way stands for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. She's also a member of the UNHCR's Laulu campaign. I hope I didn't say that too badly. Supporting displaced Africans where she has visited refugee camps in Ghana, learning about and supporting the UN's efforts there. Please tune in again now as we talk to our next guest, the lovely Mickey Simonas. Thank you so much for always listening. Take care and bye-bye. <laughs>